Thanks for joining us for the Exchange Church Podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Trey Rose. Thank you, Dana. Good morning. Good morning. It's going to be an incredible day. I am so glad that you are here. I am so glad to be here. What a blessing it is. It's a, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We are in a series called Begin Again, and I talked to you, I'm not going to recap, but you know, we've gone through the basics, reading the Bible and prayer and dreaming. For many of you, dreaming you've considered a luxury, but I'm here to tell you today it's a necessity. You can't afford to look at dreaming as a luxury or you will die. And so today we're going to go a little bit deeper. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I'd let nothing be done here that is not birthed of you, through you, and only for you. God, we surrender to this moment. We surrender to the washing of your word right now. God, let us be transformed from glory to glory more into your image. Let the dreams arise and surface. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Why don't you uh, just high-five the next person, and you may be seated. I want to jump right into my content today, because dreams are important. We talked last week about dreams. You saw a bit of the update. That's available online. Speaking of online, we welcome all of our online guests. We love you so much. It's not an accident that you're watching today. I want to talk about dreams, because I think a lot of us um, actually, way too many of us are dreaming better lives than we're actually living. I think many of us, unfortunately, are sleeping through our dreams. And so today, I hope to kind of shake you a bit from your slumber and from your sleep and allow those dreams to come alive again, those dreams that have been buried and stuffed and pushed to the side and allow some dreams, even new dreams, to come to the surface. I want to take you to my primary text today, I only have one point, actually one point today, but it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. And before I move into this, I want you to look around, find the piece of paper that you received that's blank when you came in today. It's, I don't know if you know this, but it's for notes. And if you need a pen or pencil, Go ahead and raise your hand. Our ushers are already prepared and fully stocked. We went to Walmart between services because first service didn't return any of the pens that we handed out. But we have pens, pencils, whatever for you today. When I'm talking about dreams, especially, Amanda, you have to write this stuff down. Did you know that scientifically and scripturally, if you write down your visions, dreams, and goals, you are statistically more likely to step into those visions, dreams, and goals. So as, do you believe me? You got to write it down. When our kids don't do the list that we gave them to do before we went for dinner with our spouse, we come back and we say, why didn't you finish it? And you tell yourself, next time I'm going to write it down for them, right? Because what you write down generally gets accomplished. So I'm going to encourage you today to write down everything that the Holy Spirit speaks to you throughout this sermon. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is 
freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces, that means face to face, unveiled faces, nothing between us and the Spirit of God, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Verse 18, let's back up. And we all who with unveiled faces, so as we stand face to face with the Spirit of God, we contemplate, or better said, we behold. Everyone say behold. We behold the Lord's glory. And as we behold the Lord's glory, we are being transformed, better said as become. Everyone say become. Become more like his image with ever-increasing glory. That means the longer you stand face to face to the Spirit of God, the more you behold him, the more you become like him. And this is my point that I need you to write down today. What we behold, we become. What we behold we become, we have to see the dream before we ever can pursue it. You have to, Jordan, be able to see the dream before we can ever run after it, ever. We have to behold the dream. I, um, I'm talking about step one, behold, but man, I, I should have started at step zero because honestly, before you can ever behold a dream, you have to behold the dream giver. We, we gloss over that unveiled faces part quite often. We want the behold and the become, and we chase after the grandeur of that. But first, we have to unveil our faces and stand face to face before the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the nature of God. So we have to not just chase a dream. We've got to chase the dream giver. And when we chase the dream giver, the dreams will automatically come. I, I can say this uh, because I went through this season I say season, that's in the N word right now. I went through this season and came out of this season a few weeks ago, quite honestly. And um, I was in a season of just not really feeling like I was dreaming at all. I had no dreams, no passions. I mean, I was, I was doing church, doing life, loving Jesus, loving my wife, loving my kids, loving cookies and cream, ice cream. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't like depressed, hating life and hating everything, but I just, I wasn't waking up in the morning to chase after a dream. I was waking up in the morning to check off that day on my list. I wasn't dreaming. And, and the Lord kind of whooped my butt, and I want to share it with you. And it might offend you. I don't intend to offend you, but at the same time, I don't really care. Because it's the truth. And the truth is this. Many of us, I'm convinced if we don't have a dream, it's not really a dreaming issue. It's a lack of intimacy with God issue. And I know that hurts. It hurt me too when he told me. That's one thing you don't want to hear from God. Hey, you want to chase after a dream? Why don't you chase after a dream giver first? I really think that our God-centered dreams will never flow through our life until we're really perceiving and beholding God first. The, the reality is... Um, you ever heard the saying, the longer you're married to someone, the more you look like them? Yeah. You ever uh, heard someone say that they look like their dogs? It's ridiculous. My wife tells me that all the time. I look like her dogs. I, 
especially when we had schnauzers. And I don't get it. I don't like it. The more you spend time with someone, the more you resemble them. And the reality is God's thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are so much richer than ours. And the more I engage with him, the more intimate I am with my creator, the more my thoughts begin to align with his thoughts. You know what a lot of us do when we're chasing dreams? We chase actions. We try to do what God does rather than think like he thinks. That's what the law did, you know. The law set us up to do what he does, but grace gives us the freedom to think like he thinks. And when we think like he thinks, our passions become like his passions, and then we do automatically what he does because we know the dream giver, not just chasing after a dream. I'm convinced intimacy with God is the root of our problem if we can't seem to find a dream. John 10.10 tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come that we may have life and have it to the full, and nothing else will make you feel dead inside than living a dreamless life. So if you want a dream birthed inside of you, you have to pursue your creator. I want to give you an exercise real quick. We're maybe, maybe some of you love Jesus, you're pursuing that intimacy, and you're like, okay, what's next? I don't I don't even know where to begin dreaming. That's where I was a few weeks ago. I want to take you through an exercise that I did. Is that okay? You've got your pen and paper already. You're ready to go for this. I'm going to ask you a couple of pivotal questions, and you're going to answer honestly because no one's going to look at this paper. Don't write your name on it so that when you leave it in your chair when you leave today, no one will know it's you, okay? You're going to answer these few questions. Number one, what do I love? Throw down three, four, five things. What do I love? On my list, I said, I started with the basics because that's the best I could do. I said I love cookies and cream ice cream. I literally did, but it got my brain going. And then I said, I love two and three-year-olds when they explore the world. You know, when they just, it's like new to them and they're just in wonder and awe. I love it. It just makes my heart melt. And even how they mispronounce words. Isn't that beautiful? I would like rewrite the dictionary for a toddler if I could because it just is beautiful. I love two and three-year-olds. I love it. I love it. Next question. What do you hate? What do you hate? I know you hate some things. I know you hate some things. What do you hate? List some things that you hate. Do you hate tardiness? Do you hate time change? <laughs> You're like, not this one, but the next one, yeah. <laughs> what do you hate? Write some things down. And then the third question, what moves you? What moves you? Maybe you can't assign love or hate to it, but just what, what moves you? I was in Walmart before I did this list, and one of the things on my list that moves me, uh, I, was, I was in the latrine, and then I went to the sink to wash my hands, and there was this little three-year-old, and he was like, hi. I said, hey, buddy, how are you? I'm good. And he's like trying to reach for the soap, and he can't reach it, so I, I push the lever, and the soap comes down into his hands, a little bit sweet little hands, and he's just doing this, and I'm just like, washing my hands, and he does this, and then he can't turn on the water because he's, he's, you know, he's a short package, and 
he can't, so I turn on the water for him, and then he can't reach the water that's coming out. So I pick him up by the waist, and I set him up so he can reach the water. And I'm thinking, Mom's going to open that door at any moment. I need to be prepared and keep my distance so she knows. Like, I'm not trying to hurt little Johnny. I'm not trying to, like, steal him. I'm trying to help. And, uh, but she never, she never did. He washed his hands. I set him down, and I saw that he couldn't reach the paper towels. So I walked over to the paper towels, and he was like, no, it's okay. And he went to the air dryer that was his level. And the air dryer was drying his hands, and he's still talking to me, and I'm talking to him. And then I open the door, and he walks out. He's just cutest blonde little kid I've ever seen. Well, one of the cutest I've ever seen. And I walk out expecting to just kind of grin at mom, right? But mom wasn't there. Dad was on a cell phone. That moved me. Because I was in the bathroom playing daddy while he was on technology. That moved me in both ways. The fact that I hated the fact of an absent father in that window of time, but in a wonderful fact that the Lord sent me to fill a gap when it was needed. Like, you can be moved in love and compassion and hate and disdain at the same time simultaneously. What moves you? Write it down. And then go through your list. Now, I know you can't do 25, 30 things right now like I did a few weeks ago, but go through your list after you get that many. And then funnel them down into buckets. Find categories. These categories I would call your life themes. Your life themes. My life themes, I was able to funnel everything into four things. And you can make up your own words. There's no right or wrong here. But my life themes were fatherhood, community, creativity, and self-improvement. These were the four things that everything I loved, hated, and things that moved me, they fell into one of these four buckets. So then I took those four things and I began to pray into those things. And I said, Lord, give me a dream about fatherhood. Give me a dream about community. And would you know, in under five minutes, dreams started bubbling up within me around these life things that I had. It's a lot easier to look at three or four buckets than the whole spectrum and possibilities of what you could dream about. So if you want to behold your dream, you have to look inside to awaken before you can ever look outward to dream. By the way, I said look outward. That means lift up your eyes and look from where you are to where you're headed. Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Your dream needs to be beyond what you can currently see. If you want to behold a dream birth from God's heart, it's going to be way out there somewhere. Are you with me, church? All right. Behold the dream. Next is the thing that I think we get stuck on quite often, and that's become. You become what you behold. The becoming is the hard thing, isn't it? Like stepping into the dream. How many of you have had a dream for years and years and years, and you're like, when, Lord? When? Like this, this destination should have been here in 11 days. My promised land should have only taken me 11 days, not 40 years. Anybody ever have a dream like that? Come on. No one. Your dreams are too small then. If you can accomplish your dreams in only 11 days, your dreams are probably, too, I, I've been there where you have this dream and you're thinking, when is it going to come? I'm not stepping into the promise. I'm going to help you step into your promise today. To become 
what you behold, all you have to do is create the right atmosphere. You never knew it was that simple, did you? You create the right atmosphere. I don't have to convince a bottle of water to turn into ice. I don't look at the bottle of water. I don't say, hey, hey, all you got to do is just increase your willpower. Just, you know, change your decisions, change your habits. Like, you got this. I don't have to bribe it to become ice. I don't have to pay it to become ice. I don't have to encourage it to become ice. All I've got to do is set that bottle of water in the right atmosphere, and it transforms into what I want it to become. You and I can become what we behold as long as we pay attention to the atmosphere in us and around us that we are creating. How do you create atmosphere? I'm glad you asked. I came with an answer today. How many of you want to learn how to create atmosphere that builds dreams? Number one, beliefs. You have to look at your belief system. Your, your beliefs determine your atmosphere. Beliefs are things like, I should and can do it. I should do it, and I can. That's your belief system. That really revolves around the orphan heart and the heart of a son or a daughter. The orphan spirit and the spirit of sonship. When you're a son of God, and you know the heart of God, and you know the passions of God, and you see a need that's within your capacity to fill it, there's not a question of should it be filled. It's like, Lord, send me. I should because he cares about it, and I can because he's backing it. Your belief system, you have to get there. You, you can think I should all day long, but if you think I can't, you still have the heart of an orphan. Because a son knows that all things are possible to those who believe. Are you with me, church? If you think you should, but you still believe you can't, you know what part of your problem is? You're basing your value and your worth based on who you are rather than whose you are. If God wants something done through you, don't you think he's already put everything inside of you to accomplish that which he has prepared for you to do? You've got to establish your belief systems first if you want to set the atmosphere for transformation. After your beliefs, then you need to get a new attitude. Everybody say attitude. Attitude is I want to and I will. I want to do it and I will. Anybody have teenagers and you ask them if they'll do the dishes? Hey, Addison, you want to do the dishes? Do I want to? No. But I will. Do you know what I mean? Like, and parents, you're like, well, I, I can mow the grass. I can. I just don't want to. So in that scenario, when we say I can and I should, but I don't want to and I won't, you know what we have? We have a right belief system with a faulty attitude. You know the problem with that? It creates internal tension, so much tension that we eventually break because it is impossible for a son or a daughter to give birth to orphan dreams. In other words, if you have the belief system of a son or a daughter, but you don't have the attitude of a son or a daughter, you have the attitude of, a, of an orphan, 
then the problem that's going to happen eventually, and it's going to be quick, you can trust me on this one, one of two things are going to happen. Your son heart or your daughter heart is quickly going to transition into the heart of an orphan because only orphans can produce orphan dreams. Or if you press through and you fix that attitude, then that heart of a son will begin to produce dreams of a son. So you need a new attitude. Number three, this is the hard one, I think, for most of us. If you want to create the right atmosphere for transformation, to step into your dreams, you need to take a look at your behaviors. Ugh! Don't you hate that? Behaviors. It's not just I know I can. It's not just I know I should. It's not I want to. It's not I will someday. It's I am doing it. James chapter 2 says faith without works is dead. You can have the thoughts of a son. You can have the attitude of a son. All the faith in the world. But if you don't transition that sonship from your heart and your head to your hands and your feet, you will never have behaviors that produce the dreams that you're searching for. I did come up with three points. I think I have time to share um, in behaviors. How many of you struggle would say probably behaviors is your weakness? Like you, you set the alarm for 5.30 in the morning, but waking up and getting out of bed at 5.30 is the different story. Behaviors is an issue for many of us. Okay, so let me help you. I have actually three R's, the letter R, uh, that build behaviors, that build dreams. Okay, so we're going to focus on behaviors today. The first R is resources. Everybody say resources. If you want to step into your dreams, you must invest resources. It's not enough just to be passionate about your dream. You got to put your money where your mouth is. And when I say money, I'm saying resources. What are resources? Your time, talent, and your treasure. All of us have resources that we can invest. And if we're not investing in resources, why would heaven invest in resources for the dream? What is, uh, here's a pop quiz question for you. Uh, I had fun with this one in first service. What is the most valuable resource that we have in regards to building dreams? The most, the word, that's that's good answer. It's good. Anything else? What's the most valuable resource? Each other. Oh, each other. That's, that's pretty nice. I hadn't heard that one. What time? Time. That's a very uh, economic and academia response. That's good. Most people would say time, actually, because Vance, you're an economist, right? Time is a non-renewable resource, right? Once you spend time, you can't get it back. So most people, Vance, am I right? Most people would say time is the most valuable resource. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, that's good. That's great. That's not what I'm going to agree with today. Here's my take on it, and you can disagree. You have the right to be wrong. Listen, <laughs> totally, I'm totally kidding. You, you really can disagree. I think Vance may disagree with me, but I'm going to convince him in this sermon, I think. Many people would say that time is the most valuable resource. Here's what I would say to you. The most valuable resource in accomplishing your dream is the resource that you currently lack the most. So based on wherever you are in the timeline of your dream, there may be one resource or another that you need most, that is the most important resource in this moment, right? 
time. I, there's value to that. I think Kelly said that. Vance, Vance believes this in, in the world outside of kingdom. Time is very much a valuable resource. Here's the problem, though. Many of us don't need another non-renewable resource, such as time. The only time, the only, the only instance, I guess, where time not being renewable is important and weighs in on our life is when you're using your time 100% effectively. If you're using your time 80% effectively, you don't need more time. You've still got 20% of your time that you just need to learn how to manage and steward. It's not a lack of time that's preventing your dreams. It's a lack of, lack of stewardship, right? If you, if you get to the point where you're managing time 100% effectively, meaning you spend more time on your dreams than you do Facebook, or you spend more time on your dreams than you do TV, or you spend more time on your dreams than you do sleeping, or you spend more time on your dreams than you do something else. If you're using your time 100% effectively, time may be your most important and valuable resource. I'll give you an example. This morning, I didn't know I was going to share this, but the Lord always likes to use my life as a living illustration. This morning, around 5 o'clock, 4.30, 5.30, somewhere in there, I don't know, the times change from you know, hour to hour. Uh, somewhere in that time, I decided to take a shower in my bathroom. And well, I always take a shower in my bathroom. I don't go outside. I don't go to the neighbors. My bathroom. I was in my bathroom. I took a shower. And I'm in there. I got this little mirror so I could shave in the shower. And it's, it's a fog-free mirror. All lies. There's no such thing as a fog-free mirror, so I have to get the nozzle and spray it. And then, you know, I'm trying to shave, and it's cool. It's awesome, and the water's getting hot, and I just feel like my pores opening up, and it feels awesome. And I'm thinking about my sermon. I'm super pumped about my sermon because I've got so much good information that I just can't wait to share with you. And I hope that you show up, and I hope you're on time. And I'm like, who's going to come today, and what's the Lord going to do? And God, am I going to do everything that you need me to do? And then are they going to hear it, and is it going to actually be put into practice. I'm just like going on and on. 15 minutes goes by. My shower's done. Turn off the water. Grab my towel. Dry my hair. Dry my face. Dry my neck. Dry my shoulders. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I use soap? <laughs> and I was thinking, I couldn't remember. I was like, I don't know if I use soap. So I smelled. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And I look at my soap is not in the shower. I'm like, okay, so I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think I used soap because it's over on my sink because I washed my face last night. And I'm like, dang it. So I, I go get my soap. I go back into the shower. And, and I'd spend another 15 minutes taking a real shower. Right? Time was not my most valuable resource because I was doing this thing early enough. I wasn't in a rush. I could, I, could, I could spend another 15 minutes. Time was not my bottleneck. What was my most valuable resource in that moment? Soap. Soap. Okay, soap. I, I would agree that soap was more valuable than time, but it wasn't my most valuable. My most valuable resource in that moment was focus. That's where I had the greatest disparity in that moment, being in the shower, not knowing where I was or why I was there or what I was doing. <laughs> the soap was in the room. It was inconvenient. So the resource was a little harder to get, but it was accessible. 
What I was fully lacking was focus. So in that moment, for 15 minutes this morning, my greatest resource became focus because I needed it the most. Right now, guess what? I'm focused. I am so focused. I am focused, focused. Focused is not my massive resource. You know what my biggest resource that I need in this moment is? Anointing. I need the power of God to rest on the words that I speak so that they land on your heart, three ears to your heart on fertile soil. And you, in something that I say, get compelled enough to take these words and turn them into action. I need anointing right now. Your greatest resource is faith. Right now, you need the faith to believe that God can and that he will and he will complete what he started in you. That is your greatest resource as you hear these words. You don't need more soap. You don't need more time. You don't need more water. You need faith. After the first R of resources, the next R is repetition. You may pour all the resources you can into something, but you need to do it over and 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 over again. You need to wake up with your dreams, go to sleep with your dreams. You need to do things every day that reflect your dreams. You need to pray into your dreams. You need to ask people about your dreams. You need to get education on your dreams. Do you know what I mean? You need to eat, breathe, and live these dreams that are bubbling up inside of you right now. You need to surrender to your dreams. You need to understand that you're not an expert because the moment you think you're an expert is the moment God shows you you know nothing at all. You surrender to the process, and every day you wake up and you do it again. You repeat it. You did it yesterday, do it today. You did it today, do it tomorrow. You don't give up until you see the miracle. You repeat it. Here's the disheartening news, I suppose. You can repeat it all day long, but how, how many know that you can lift the same amount of weight every single day and never increase your muscle size? Pedro, you're a living example. Is that what you're saying? You tried to do that this summer. You know what happened? You did the exact same thing, so your body grew initially. Initially, you felt gains. You felt more energy. You slept better. But once, once the results matched the level of output, that's all you were going to see. What you had to do was the third R. You had to take bigger risk. And as you take bigger risk, then your muscles grow to new height. Then you sleep better. Then you have more energy. Then you have more endorphins flowing through your body. Things start to change. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. You have to have an appropriate amount of risk. And those who risk big win big. Appropriate resources applied with appropriate repetition at appropriate levels of risk form divine moments. You're going to want to write that word down. Divine moments. Appropriate reward. Nope. Risk. What's the second R? Repetition. The third, first R is Resource, appropriate resources with appropriate repetition and appropriate levels of risk form divine moments. 
That's important to you for this main reason. Friendly, I'm almost done, baby. She's like, enough. Time's over. Divine moments. A dream is not a destination. It is a series of divine moments. Maybe one of your dreams is to go on an African safari. You aren't just living your dream the moment you hear the lion roar. You are living your dream the moment you save the first dollar towards it. You are living your dream the moment you pack your bags and head to the airport. You are even still living your dream decades later when you retell the story to friends and family that hadn't heard it before and you just feel the emotion well up within you. When we step into moments that we would not otherwise be doing had it not been for our dream, those moments become divine because they have the power to breathe life into our dreams. In each and every divine moment, we aren't just preparing for our dream. We are experiencing and interacting with the dream in the current stage of development. Listen, the life cycle of a dream begins at conception, not delivery. Just as the end of a dream is when the legacy fades, not when the event is over. Divine moments. Some of you have been praying for a dream, not realizing you're already living it. You're just in a life cycle of the dream, a stage of development of the dream that you weren't really hoping for. But you're living your dream. Rather than praying for your dream, why don't you start praying into your dream? In fact, how many of you here today, anyone here have a, a God-centered dream and you've not yet set aside $1 for that God-centered dream? Anyone? Pedro, come here. I want to give you $1. I want to say that quickly before you think it's more. You have a God-centered dream that has been birthed in your heart. The moment you set aside even $1 of resource for that, the dream is alive. And so today I want to send this dollar into your dream. Don't, don't use it for Snickers, okay? You can use it for Butterfinger, that's worth, Butterfinger's totally worth it, but I'm gonna ask that you not spend this dollar until you send it with purpose for your dream. Whether it's for, for uh, I, I don't even know what your dream is, but it could be more education for your dream. It could be a, a learning course online for your dream. It could be business cards. I don't know what your dream is. I want this dollar sent for your dream because I'm gonna send this into your dream. Is that all right? All right, now look, the dream has been alive in your heart and in your spirit. But as you and I make a, a physical transaction with this, we are allowing works to partner with our faith. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just release this dollar into Pedro's dream. And I thank you that 
with you and through you and by you, all things are possible. And any dream that he has that is God-centered, God, that this dollar is going into, I just thank you that, that you're gonna double, triple, quadruple that. You're gonna bring so much resource because even when he takes the first step of providing resource to his dream, all of heaven surrounds him and begins to pour into that which he's partnered with from you. So God, we release it into his dream. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. God bless you, I love you. I, I wanna pray for you all. I think I'm gonna, is it all right if next week I, I continue with dreams? Can I do one more Sunday on dreams? Okay. I don't know if I will, but just in case I decide on it. I don't know if you need more intimacy with God. I don't know if you need to behold your dream. I don't know if you're, if you're beholding and you're ready to become, but I'm going to pray for it all right now. So if you're ready to receive it, just close your eyes and just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we say yes to you right now, God. Every stage of our dream, God, we just step into it. God, every phase of our dream, the things that we've been waiting for and believing for God. Now we're going to just send prayers into. We're going to send resources into. We're going to send repetition into. God, I just thank you right now that you are the dream giver. If there is anyone here that lacks a dream, God, we just ask that the intimacy between you and them would increase exponentially, even now as I'm speaking. God, the anointing that you have rested on me today and the faith that you have released into them today, God, that that will just create this dynamic that heaven will not ignore and that you will come on the scene and partner with everything that we're saying yes to and that you're saying yes to. We, God, just thank you that our dreams are moving forward, making progress. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. God bless you, I love you. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is moving in your life. Share your story by visiting theexchangechurch.org and click on connect to contact us.